welcome to a new episode of Athletics for Life podcast. Today, a very special guest for all of you. But first, we have to thank our sponsors. Yeah, so we want to just take a moment to thank College Pro, our sponsor. They've hooked us up with uh, some clothing and they're, they're going to send some new stuff pretty soon, which is awesome. For any athletic directors or schools out there that are maybe looking for some new uniforms or some shirts for uh, tournaments, um, they're a great company to work with out of China. So uh, check the link in the description below, or if you have any questions, uh, you can contact us directly. And just a, another thank you to College Pro. Uh, they've been great to work with. And we have a lot of new merchandise coming soon. So if you're interested in a shirt or a pants or a, or a cap or a jacket, please contact us. So now we're going over to our guest. We're going to introduce him. Um, we are very honored and excited to have uh, Dr. Richard Young on the Athletics for Life podcast today. A while ago, I had the privilege to follow one of Mr. Young's uh, webinars called High Potential to High Performance. Faster and simpler. That's the webinar title. If you want to follow that, please, more information later in the podcast. Um, after that, we had a personal chat and um, about sports in general and high performance. So today we're looking forward to uh, sitting down and interviewing him. Uh, he's been involved in nine Olympic tournaments. He all is an athlete, a coach, a scientist, leader. Uh, started as a part of Canada's Olympic cycling team at the uh, 1988 Seoul Olympic Games uh, and is involved with the New Zealand Olympic Committee for many years. He won international gold medals, coached world champions, researched performance, created programs that contributed to Olympic medals for three different countries. Uh, and uh, so in our podcast today, uh, we want to learn and share uh, and, and learn from Mr. Richard Young uh, about what it takes to be a high performer. Um, he describes seven habits that medalists do better than non-medalists, and we are eager to share them with you. Let's go over to Dr. Richard Young. Thank you for being here today on our podcast. Um, I'm very excited sure. about it. I was actually a little bit nervous this morning. I told CD about it because uh, you're, you're such an inspiration, and um, I liked your webinar. It was really cool, and, and we had a nice chat after that. Um, for our four of you, can you give a brief introduction of yourself before we go into the questions we have for you? Sure. Yep, sure. Because um, I saw your, your prompt there displayed that I'm a psychologist and I'm, I'm not. <clears throat> maybe, maybe I act like one, but, um, but I'm definitely not. So my education is physiology. That's the grad stuff I did and biomedical engineering. That was the combination of systems and people. And combining okay. the two. I will change um, that. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. And so I, I got into um, um, sport through cycling. I started in judo. I fiddled around looking for the sport. I was hooked on the Olympics. I was hooked on getting to the Olympics, even as a kid. And, um, and then met my uncle who was in three Tour de France. And I never knew that. So we started cycling together and hearing his stories and the racing and the sprinting and uh, the color and everything else about the, you know, the jerseys and uh, European based stuff and, and plus warm climates, you know, cycling in the warm, being in Canada. I was interested in that. Um, and then got into that. And then I was, I was on the hunt and started um, cycling at a national level. 
uh, made the Olympic team uh, and then things uh, evolved into coaching. And then I uh, started work with the British team, setting up a technology and innovation program for them. And that's how I ended up here. Um, so I'm in New Zealand, in Dunedin in the south, in New Zealand. So I was in uh, Auckland for a bit, setting up the tech and innovation program. And that's combining kind of Formula One and research and military into, um, into tech gear for Olympic sport. Uh, and then I got into more of the problem of high-performance behaviors that deliver and systems, systems and behaviors and thinking that delivers exceptional performance. So, so that's what I've been doing for uh, 10 years. And then I've been doing this in my own way with different people all around the world for a couple of years now. And so that's, that's where I am. Awesome. Yeah. So I just received your latest news bulletin, Richard, last week. Uh, and I love that BB King analogy you made in there. Uh, oh. Music ain't, ain't a note, man. It's space between the notes. And um can you explain a little bit why it is important for student athletes, for our athletes, uh, to pay attention to the space between the notes? Yeah, good. Uh, great. So a good start. We're going on a music uh, analogy here, right on. Um, so because uh, sports, you, you know, I say, I say high-performance sport uh, has an addition problem that needs a subtraction solution. So the people at the top of their game have figured out a system. They know what work. They know who not to work with. They know what not to do. But they've learned that through experience. And so they have more space at the end. When they're a high performer, they have more space. And, and in the interviews, when I interviewed newcomers who were on their path to high performance, like young snowboarders and uh, rugby players and judo, um, um, so all the different sports – they sounded the same. They had space. I like doing this because I love jumping. I love fighting. I love uh, my parent or someone gets me there. I got a good coach. Um, I don't really know what to do with nutrition, but it's all pretty simple. And then it becomes very complicated in the middle. And that's the analogy is that there's very little space in the middle because we keep adding and looking for the magic and adding more and adding more when Really, we need to learn how to pull back because that takes some deep thinking. To, when you cut, that's a lot of thinking. Um, adding yeah. is easy. Adding is easy, and it's, it's especially for our for our kids and student athletes. We, they do so much here, and they play. They have academics, and then they go to drama production. So, how can they? Do you have some tips for them to just to structure that, or to just to reduce that, or or to create a bigger space for themselves? Yeah. Well, you can't do everything. You know, there's there's fact one. So you have to pick and choose. And the hardest part for the young athlete is saying no, because, you know, life is full of possibility and I haven't found my expertise yet. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. My friends are going here. Um, I'm going to give this sport a shot. And that's important. So so it's not to say the addition part is a complete problem. It isn't. We all have to add. That's how we learn. We have to add. But it's probably thinking through, where do I want to go? Where do I really want to be in like five years or 10 years? And what might not be contributing to that? And they could be small things, you know, like I don't get enough sleep. So that 
way my studying falls apart, it means I can't train because my marks are suffering. Well, then sleep it is. So there's looking at the components in their day that may not be contributing to performance. Okay. I'm just, I want to make sure I understand this because I think it's a, a really interesting point. Um, so when you say like they're adding, you mean they're, they're adding complexity, right? They're saying, okay, I need uh, nutrition. I need to get a nutritionalist. I need uh, supplements. I need uh, training regimen that's structured this way, this way, this way. Um, in, in, in that way, they're kind of adding all these components. Is that what, is that what you mean when you're that's saying right. they're, they're adding stuff? They're just adding layers and upon layers of complexity. Um, and, and looking for magic as well. Yeah. So, um, so for instance, uh, when I was working in the technology and innovation area, so I go to an Olympic sport. <clears throat> I had some Formula One uh, mathematician with me. Uh, we had a cryogenic opportunity for a cryogenic chamber opportunity. Um, we had a carbon specialist to build new wheels, new gear. So in we go <clears throat> into the sport with all this fancy, really attractive looking ideas here and, and research. And But you look around, the athletes aren't quite fit. Um, <clears throat> the coach isn't sure how to plan. And they are desperate to get this stuff in because it, it looks like this could be a solution. And so the work really turned out to back up a bit and to help them identify what's your system. So how do you do what you do and why do you do it? And very simple questions before you add anything, figure out who you are, what works. And so for a student athlete, it's growing that awareness early. You know, the athlete diary is there for a reason. Like every athlete who performs has a diary. Every athlete who performs has a coach. And so the coach is a reflector. Hey, did you notice that when you do this, how about trying this? And their diary is kind of a personal reflection and they could separate it into going well, not going well. That's, that's something we recommend to athletes. So young athletes, that's all going well, left side, right side, not going well. And just start to pay attention in your day. Oh, I keep repeating this. Look at all the stuff not going well. And I keep at it because I think I can make this work. But when you see it written down over time, you think, actually, I could put my time into something else. And so this connect awareness. Yeah, exactly. So does this connect, Richard, uh, you say in your, in your uh, booklet, like, uh, my routine brings me home. Is that like connected to that, that you just layer down and really look what works and what does not work? That's right. And the best have a routine. So, and it doesn't always make the press because it's not full of innovation. It's, it's quite stable, but they've spent years and years and years honing that. You know, just like they say, the Olympic gold was won months and years before. It was mm. awarded on that day, but it was actually won months and years before from them trimming and honing and testing and failing and learning and failing and learning, and but paying attention, not just continually adding, looking for the whole thing to add up. And, and that's what happens in the middle. People play around with efficiency and effectiveness. So they don't cut. They just say, I must be doing this wrong. I need the Covey quadrants, urgent, not urgent. It mm -hmm. still means I do everything, but I don't do it all at once. When really it's a totally different thought process of, is all this, does all this matter? 
you know, everything I'm doing here, does this really matter? And, um, and, and that's where young athletes can benefit from that reflection because that builds awareness. And that's the number one muscle for high-performance athletes is self-awareness. So you mentioned a little bit about um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, Olympic medal winners and gold medal winners being won uh, months before. And uh, Mongolia's had some success, most, more so in combat sports like judo and wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's the difference between uh, an athlete that's at that kind of medal winning caliber and somebody who's maybe just going there, they participate, they get knocked out early? Um, kind of what, what separates those two athletes who in their own rights are both you know, great athletes? Yeah, yeah. Well, the result is one separator. Um, so, uh, yeah, not to, not to, um, uh, turn the question on its head, but there's a, just like the Olympic medalist, uh, is one month before we know there's a lot of luck involved. Like things have to work out. If you're a rower and you get lane eight and there's a crosswind, that's a problem. And, and so you want to be, so things have to work out on team combat sports, weight division sports. There's a draw. And you kind of, you know, you look to the draw thinking, could this be it? And it may be exactly the wrong draw. So certain things have to happen for the, the metal to appear. And, and so those are things out of our control. But the stuff in our control needs to be repeatable and proven to us. And, and often we profile the difference between medalists and non-medalists. And there was a lot more hope. They describe, non-medalists describe more hope. I, I hope this comes off. I hope I have a performance that I've never experienced before. Hoping for that Olympic or, or world championship lift, that just the event on its own is going to bring me to the fourth dimension. And you get world records and personal best for sure, but the majority repeat what they've done before. There aren't any, any surprises uh, there's very few surprises, and, and they repeat what they've proven to themselves before. And there's another advantage when you go into a games and you've got proof, then your belief just turns into conviction. This isn't positive thinking anymore. This is, wow, I got, I got months, years, weeks at this. My system is tuned. The people around me are tuned, and I've got conviction. Um and I happened to actually hear that word from an Olympic gold medalist in cycling. And I asked him, like, are you still breathing hard? And uh, German, I said, what, um, what makes the difference for you? Because we knew each other quite well. And I said, man, here you go again, another gold. And um, how's it work? And he said, Übersegung uh, in German. And uh, so I had to translate it. And it means conviction. So I talked to him afterwards. And he meant conviction is more than what I believe. He said, it's the whole system proving itself behind me. So all the people, the system, the the support, and my proof that I've performed like this before, and I am here to repeat. And with that conviction, he said, I can produce a world record because now I can step up. I can can step up on where I've ever been before. Um, And that's where any athlete can get to, you know, with the the right system, but it starts with self-awareness, what's happening for me and what's really working. So it's actually uh, not hard work beats talent, but the systems beat talent, Richard. Is that maybe better, everyone? 
Well, uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits is quite a good book. And, and yeah. he said, um, yeah. you know, we don't rise to the level of our goal. We fall to the level of our systems. And the U.S. military has said that. I think Greek warriors way back started with that, that our systems dictate the result. Um, and systems are people. It isn't processes and IT and CRMs. And it's, it's like this. It's, it's people in a way of working. Culture is a system. And, and so it's important to define what we mean by a system. It's a whole way of working, how we do what we do, what we think about what we do, and, and what values are really built into what we do. That's, that's a system that really accelerates performance. Richard, in a, uh, in a recent uh, Joe Rogan podcast, a uh, famous MMA trainer, Firaz Zahabi, was on there. And uh, I actually linked that with something you were saying in your book about the flow state. Uh, mm. He talked about the flow state and he said it is uh, halfway between anxiety and boredom. And uh, mm. uh, you, you mentioned that the expert or high performer has learned to be the, has learned to be the performance itself. Uh, mm. Can you talk a little bit more about that flow state and what, that does, what does that mean for high performance? Yeah, yeah, that's a good quote. I wrote that down uh, between anxiety and boredom. That's, uh, that's good because MMA... Uh, you know that there's like gladiator stuff isn't it you know you've you've really got you step into the unknown which you know can feel to us who aren't trained in that like life or death and um and so to call on flow when the risk is possible so same for mongolia with your combat sports etc there's high risk as soon as you step in um and so to be able to call on flow in those anxiety laden times is important and that also comes from a system it, it isn't a one-off i've never done this before and now i feel oh i, I feel connected it, it it isn't like that there's a there's actual build-up and it's a considered a psychological state some have written it's a physiological state but what those who've experienced it say is there's a here and now and i see where i've come from the past and I can see where I'm going, but I'm, I'm right here. And when you see an athlete in that, they aren't talking about it. They're doing it. And when you see an athlete in flow, like Federer at the end of a, he's communicating to all of us. And flow is communication. Like it's, it's a, you know, an, an interconnection. And then suddenly we're out of our thinking mind and we're into our reflex that we've trained. This repertoire of experience now can be unleashed and, and and like problems are solved, you know, in the shower and stuff when we don't expect it, uh, you know, exceptional performance is often when we don't expect it. And it just starts to happen, but it comes from months and years of growth. And those who can find it can also find the conditions to bring it, bring it on. And so they can call on flow. And there's been some fantastic studies about bringing flow, not waiting for it, but but calling on flow. Do you have any tips for uh, maybe young athletes who haven't experienced that or have only experienced the maybe fleeting moments of it um, to call on it to kind of get into that state of mind? Um, that's a that's a good question, Craig. You know, it's probably it, more than we could talk for hours on tips and yeah yeah but it's it's experiential and just like a novice can't act like an expert until they've got the wins under their belt 
you know, you're not an exceptional performer until you've performed. You can believe all you want, but until you've performed. So flow, until you've felt it, you just keep moving. You find your system and you keep moving towards your goal. And as your repertoire of experience starts to grow, your repetition of competition, of training, of all the experience, suddenly what looks like noise is no longer noise and something different happens for you in an event. But it takes time and it takes experience. Um, you know, a lot of people that are into meditation, once you get to the point where you've, you know, you've, you've found a, a new experience, it's, it's very attractive. And so people do more and more of it, but you can't voluntarily bring that. You have to be it. And so flow is a being state and it just takes time. But every athlete can be assured it can happen to them that if they keep at it, they can find the place that their expertise now frees them up, frees up their thinking, frees their behavior, and, and they have a flow performance. Now, slow has, is, is that connected to being, for example, nervous before an event, Richard? Is that something that's connected or um, that you can reduce that by being in a flow, knowing what's coming, being prepared? Yeah, nervousness isn't isn't a bad sign. <clears throat> you know, what we do with it is our choice, but it just means something means something to us. So it's coming up. It doesn't mean we're incapable. It just means something means something. Something important mm -hmm. is coming up. And, and so the athlete that reframes those feelings as just feelings, and I am separate to the feeling, which is the start of flow. You know, I'm, I'm separate to what's happening. I'm in it, but I'm an observer as well as a doer, and I'm I become the two at the same time. So, um, so we're getting quite philosophical here, but but um, the anxiety is it, it can be a trigger, a trigger for an important event, and the opposite can happen within the event. So very nervous, and then suddenly there's this landing yeah. place. Yeah. All right, let's bring us back from the philosophical then. Um, <laughs> so uh, just reading uh, your your booklet, um, one thing that stuck out to me was solo versus mentored and how a lot of the great performers, they have a mentor, they have a coach. And I've often found myself wondering, you know, when you have like the greatest of all times, uh, you know, same bolt, fastest man to Tom Brady, LeBron, whoever it is in whatever sport you're, uh, you're a fan of, mm. often their coaches don't have that same um, the same accolades, right? Like their, their coaches weren't, maybe they weren't gold medalists. Maybe they, um, they weren't the best. So what's the role of a coach for those, those athletes who are kind of going into uncharted territory. They're better than anyone's ever been before them. Um, you know, why, why do they still need a coach? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, good point. So we haven't found any repeat medalist or exceptional performer who's uncoached. Um, and so just like Anders Ericsson's work, uh, he was the originator of 10,000 hours and he's written a book called Peak. Um, and I don't know if you guys have read that, but that's worth a read and same for your audience as well. Fantastic read. Um, and so he's a researcher uh, out of um, Florida. He's, he's from Europe, uh, but he's out of Florida. And he did the research on the 10,000 hours. And Malcolm Gladwell made that popular. 
And, um, and, and so you see 10,000 hours everywhere as, mm-hmm. as being some sort of number that people need to achieve. And, um, but what he researched deeper than that is the practice quality, and it's called deliberate practice. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's purposeful, there's deliberate, and there's naive practice. And to be at the top end, you can't do it alone. So there's a couple of conditions that have to happen. And one is that the the area has some history to it where exceptional performance is clear. If it's a new area, like break dances, dancing is in the Olympics. <clears throat> there's a lot of great performance out there, but it may not be at at a at a high performance Olympic level yet. It, it it may be more of a social dance structure, but not so much competition. I'm not talking out of expertise here either. I, I, I'm just making <laughs> an, an assumption that there's work to do probably yeah. to. And now that it's in the Olympics, the quality, just like surfing, it's mm-hmm. it's it's going to fly. And so there needs to be a coach from his research, and there needs to be a historical. Um, um, uh, world-classness to the event. You know where you're going, basically. You know what world-class looks like, and you're not alone. So somebody is there to replay back to you what you're doing, and it comes back to that system we talked about. So if you're on your own, and you're going about your training, and your eating habits look like this, and your sleeping habits, and your competition habits, and and you feel, well, things are going great, and you're on your own, things are going great, you're like a fish in the sea. You can't see the sea. So you're not really sure. It may feel pretty good to you, but you're not sure if there's some things that could be a bit different or, hey, did you notice like when you watch a video of yourself, you always pick mm-hmm. something up, always, and that's the coach. So the coach is the performance reflector, and if they've been involved in world-class performance – They've got an even better eye. Hmm. So you look at those top athletes and you look at the history the coaches had in that sport and what they've seen, the repertoire of experience that they can capture and translate into a sane bolt, into hmm. a middle distance runner, into a, a, a fighter. So they've come from somewhere. So those two things from, from all the research as well turns out to be vital for somebody to move into an exceptional performer know what it takes to win and have somebody there to help guide well that's interesting is it that the for example a high level soccer team sometimes their coaches have no experience themselves but they are very they're still very successful is it then more that he's a really good people manager or a reflector instead of a training the x's and o's of the game I, you could be exactly right. So it's a fit. So that's a system. The coach uh, who's a top-level coach can read the system they're in and and they integrate into the system and then they can start to mold it and steer it to different ways. So so they, they have a sense, is this needing a people job? And actually, they're usually hired based on a frame. What we have here is not technical-tactical. It's a total people job we need here. You know, we've got players who know how to play the game. We yeah. need to lift them into a collective. Who's that type of coach? So you'd have a uh, Arsene Wenger versus Mourinho, two totally different. They can still produce results because they've fit the right 
connection to the team. Um, but no team would ever be unmanaged. You'd never find, you know, uh, any team anywhere around the world that would just say, okay, you know, you guys know how to play. You girls know how to play. Good luck. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there always has to be the integrator. Mm. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that connects really well with our programs where we have under 11 teams, under 15 and under 19 varsity teams. Mm. And uh, you always probably put the best X and X and O trainers at the at the younger levels because they need that that's that skill based uh, technique training, where mm. the higher kids they know better how to play at 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 our level. So that's that's very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I just pulled out a quote uh, from the from the booklet as well uh, of Malcolm Gladwell, and we mentioned he kind of made the ten thousand hours uh, much more popular, and that's that's where I'd heard it. Uh, but he, you quoted him saying often a sign of expertise is noticing what doesn't happen. Mm. Um, what, what is it, what do you mean by that? And why, why did you uh, kind of pull that one out? Yeah. So that's part of the subtraction game yeah. as well, that there's a lot that's happened. Uh, so the Olympic medal is one month, years before mm -hmm. and what hasn't happened. So that's part of the work I was doing with Olympic teams was, um, replaying their activity and their thinking. So you have a coach that does that. They would replay certain aspects of the performance or the training or, you know, the demeanor, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you need to eyeball the athlete and see how they, you know, what's their posture like, doesn't look like they're ready for a hundred percent today. You know, those coaches are the ones reading the, mm -hmm. the situation. And, um, and so when you've been in the game a long time, you're able to do that. And the expert is the performer. Um, and because you can't see the system you're in, when it's replayed to you, just the patterns of your behavior, like the athlete diary, what's going well, not going well, that's basically what we did. And, and I did repeated samples on the way to the Olympics and mm -hmm. then debriefed them afterwards. And then would feed them information about um, – what they're doing. Have you noticed uh, this pattern of your nutrition? You say it isn't going well and you don't know what to do with your supplements. And this has been going on for three months now. Have you noticed three months, three months I've been battling with nutrition and have you talked to your nutritionist? Well, no, but, uh, but here's a barrier that they forgot because they're busy at it and performers uh -huh. are busy. Your student athletes are busy. So you can't always, like Hansel and Gretel look back and see what the breadcrumb trail is. And so we'd replay that to people and they'd look back and because they get the context, they knew what to do. And they'd say, right, I'm going to shift this. I'm going to shift that. Then we'd say, and by the way, everybody else on your team, they're struggling with this. They're involved in this. Really? Are they? Oh, they're trying that. Mm, okay. Um, I got to talk to them about that. And by the way, The other sports that are at your level in the world are focused on this, really. And the water sports are doing this and the combat sports are doing this. Wow. And so when you get to the Olympics, now you've got the Hansel Gretel breadcrumb trail. And if they lost, and you know what it's like, you interview somebody after a loss and, oh, he got it wrong. My coach never did this. And, and I wasn't given this. And it's been a lot of, and then the ones that won, You know, they put really good stories together. It's unintentional, but our brain is built to connect the dots. And, mm -hmm. and um, so we wanted to kind of double check the story because in high performance, you need the truth. And, mm -hmm. and, and just like 
you know, the police asked multiple times. And what did you see? I already told you that. Yeah, but just repeat it. And so the more you repeat, the more you can find these little nuances. And that's where we target in high performance. And that's what it was, was making what they were dropping visible. So what's what you don't see and what they're doing visible. And then suddenly they had a, a, a breadcrumb trail of how they got to where they got to. Is the role of the coach in that reality versus future check-in important? Or can, can the athlete do that themselves too? Are there, are there tools that they, tricks that they can do that themselves? Or do you need a coach for that? Um, so the, the coach isn't there for absolutely everything. You know, like, like a, a parent, eventually the kid leaves the house. And so the coach is building uh, an athlete who can think for themselves, uh, who can feel for themselves who knows reality and can lead. So when like rugby, when they're on the pitch, you look where the coach is way up there, way out of reach. Um, Hockey, they're in the dugout and suddenly they've got no walkie talkie anymore. It's now over to you. And so all of that prep of giving the athletes the leadership skills to make the decisions because they're in it. um, That's important. So a coach prompts that that's what they're training for not only the performance but the kind of person who's going to deliver that performance so that's the other point jeff on the coach is that they help steer you into the type of person you need to be to be an exceptional performer not just the performance you mentioned a couple times uh the diary and kind of keeping that um keeping that going uh, could you kind of just uh, detail that a little more for any student athletes that are maybe uh, watching or listening and how they could do that, what they should write down, what they should keep track of? Yeah, yeah. So um, so on one page, and if you do it every day and try for a week and just see what pops up for you and try just a, um, you know, a grid, enablers and barriers. So it's going well and choose a goal. So it, it it may be your sport. It may be your school. Eventually, they'll merge is what the athlete's going to find because your whole ecosystem counts. That's what the high performers realize. If my car doesn't work, I can't get to training. It all counts. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm not getting along with everybody I live with, it all counts. It all adds to performance. So, but if you start with enablers and barriers and this is going well, this isn't going well, and then have a look on a Saturday, start on a Monday, have a look on the Saturday and, and go through the pages and just have a look. What do you notice? What's consistently going well and what's consistently not going well? And after a week, try three new questions. Keep that going, but three additional questions, not new. Mm-hmm. What will you keep starting and start? Up. And so based on what I've learned about my last week on the Saturday, what am I going to keep start and stop? So a commitment to yourself, keep start and stop for the next week. And then you start, you keep the enablers barriers going, look to see, did you keep what you said you're going to keep? Did you stop those few questions asked repeatedly? And so we did that for Olympic teams, exactly those questions. Um, and then when you get to the review and closer to the games, there's a couple others, but for the gist of keeping it simple for the athlete population you've got, mm-hmm. they start there and they start to figure out some patterns. And then they start to figure out 
reasons for the patterns. Like why, why is this pattern happening? That's their next question. That's turning into a high performer. High performers ask the next question. So they've got the data, they've got the patterns, they've got a commitment to themselves, keep, start, stop. And now they say, wow, why is it happening this way? And what do I need to change? And so over time, the patterns start to tell them something deeper about what they think is working. Because every day they're voting high performance. We're all in our own way. Um, every minute, making a vote with our time and our attention of what high performance looks like to us. And so when they replay and they can see going well, not going well, and you suddenly realize I've got a lot of authority in this. I've got a lot of control of quite a lot of this stuff. It's not just circumstance here. You know, I'm voting with my time. And so how could I vote a little bit differently? A self-awareness and they just mm -hmm. start to start to shift. But yeah, start small. That's that's my advice. Yeah, I think that's around. that's great advice because like uh, some of the the higher performers that I've had, um, they kind of naturally do that. You can see they're they're very reflective just not so much even just writing it down as that structured, but just in the way they think about their games, their practices, you, you can see that they're, they're processing that information. And so I think that that'd be a great way to kind of reach those, some of those kids who, who maybe have the physical talent, but they're not quite there on their own mentally. Um, yeah. And maybe they don't have that growth mindset, right? That um, they don't realize that they have so much control over all these different aspects of their life. Oh, that'd be that's great. great. Yeah, that's an awareness that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's that brings a lot of freedom. Just and, what you and, said. Yeah, and that can come from that uh, that diary setup. Yeah, and for us, hopefully, uh, curb some of the. Uh, oh, it was the ref's fault. I got cheated. You know, as they start to realize that they're more and more in control of, uh, you know, their own destiny in that way. Yeah, Richard, we work a lot with uh, trying. If the students, if, if, if we lose games, you know, that resilience, that, uh, that learning from experience, le learning from losing, what do you do with your athletes uh, if they lose at the Olympics? Or are there any tips and tricks for our student athletes to, to uh, cope with that? Yeah, well, the same questions help. You know, when you've got a frame and you can apply it to different circumstance, so enablers, barriers, that type of setup. But... Um, as much learning needs to come from the win as the loss. And, and sometimes in teams, you know, it's all hands on deck. If there's a loss, it's like an inquiry, like a public inquiry, you know. There, there are sports where they've hired judges and, and the reviews are enormous and expensive and, and looking for all the details. But it happened months before. And, and you can't find that after the games. So, so every loss is telling us something that our system needs a tweak. And mm. part of it is circumstance, like lane eight. Okay, well, I need to know. Uh, you know, my time was bad because crosswind in lane eight. Or um, the other person in my weight division was right at the top of his weight. I was right at the bottom, and it made a bigger difference than I thought. So there's circumstance and there's my control. Um, and so when you learn from your loss as much as your win on the system that's created this and my own responsibility, what did I do? You know, like the old, what did I do to deserve this? Uh, so all the highest performers ask, what, what's my responsibility? 
in this, not the ref. It may be the ref, but something happened before the ref made the call. Even if the call was a mistake, what what can I still learn from this episode? So um, you'll like the, I think I, I mentioned the Mai Drysdale quote, the rower, and he, uh, you know, multiple gold at Olympics, multiple gold at the World Championships, world record, single skull rower. Um, and at the Olympics in Beijing, he was ill and he got a bronze and the interviewer said, oh, my, you must be really disappointed with that. And he said, yes, I am. And he said, so I guess you're going to, uh, you know, really work hard on being healthy for the next games. And he said, no, I'm going to work hard on being so fit I can win when I'm sick. <laughs> and so on the, on the creation versus fixing, there's an example. Mm -hmm. On the learn from loss, okay, what can I control? My health, I tried to arrive healthy. It didn't work. So this could happen again. Yep. So what's yep. in my control? Train harder. Okay, that's what I'm going to create for the next Olympics. That's what I create. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's usually my response to to athletes who are trying to blame the ref or trying to blame circumstance. Um, you know, if if the ref decided you, if the ref's decision cost you the the win or the loss, well, then you should have scored more points where their decision didn't affect the outcome. <laughs> so we need to practice more, you know, and so. Um, Usually that works uh, to try to reframe it and, and hopefully get the focus back on, you know, what can we do? How can we be better? Yeah. So that yeah, way, exactly. those, like you said, those circumstances that are going to happen don't, don't affect the outcome. Absolutely. And, and when you do that, Craig, you find the athletes are empowered. You know, it, it isn't, I hope the circumstance works out next time. Mm -hmm. It's I arrive. Flow is empowerment. And so all these things add up, you know, the more you feel this sense of empowerment, the more the circumstance lightens. And eventually when it's time, you've got the experience, the repertoire, the event, this boom, you land and suddenly it's, wow, you know, this is going to be something else. So we're going uh, close to the end, uh, Richard, but um, I really enjoyed your equation that you wrote down. Uh, beliefs plus habits plus actions are medalists. Um, mm -hmm. That actually summarizes a lot of those things, you know, believe in yourself, the habits, the systems and the actions you do on a daily basis, uh, you know, writing those notes down. Um, yeah, that's, it's a, I think that's a great equation for our, for our kids to follow and to look at that every day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's, that's proven that the beliefs, beliefs on their own without proof are, are it, it's a tricky zone. You know, you're, um, mm -hmm. you're in kind of, because especially new performers, they don't yet have the proof. Mm -hmm. But to be aware of my belief is really important. You know, can I do this? Or can I like Carol Dweck's growth mindset versus uh, fixed mindset? Like a, a division between the two is, am I here to improve or am I here to prove? Uh, so am I trying to prove something to somebody or am I trying to improve? And if you check your beliefs, you figure out, like we're all different and we vary. So, you know, sometimes, oh, I'm going to prove it to this guy. Um, or, you know, pressure's off. I just want to get really good. I'm going to get better. And when you map your beliefs, you can start to see where you are. And when your performance changes accordingly, you know, the improve performance goes prove can only last for so long. You know, that need to prove to somebody else 
it can't carry you for the long game. But the learning, I want to learn. I'm going to form habits that learn. And um, uh, that high performer is on to the exceptional path. Um, yeah, like as Jeff mentioned, we're, we're coming to the end. So what are, um, I'm curious if we can just get some kind of bite-sized tips or tricks. Um, you know, not that we're always looking for the easiest way out, but what are some things that, you know, our student athletes can do uh, and kind of implement in their lives to just improve overall in their sports and in their life um, and, and hopefully see a little bit more success? Yeah, well, you know, summaries are important for people because it's action, right? So mm-hmm. performance is all action. Uh, it's not just thinking. So what would they do? So I, I think the diary is one thing that an athlete could do. The benefit of that is the self-awareness that we that we talked about. There's a mm-hmm. lot that's built in to that short diary. And the other thing is to look at what you're adding and what you're taking away. Because everything you add means you're subtracting something else. So it, it isn't just a deliberate subtraction. You know, I've reduced this, I've reduced this. Um, everything you add, something else has to give space for it. So it's either something you're already doing or something that you're not going to do uh, as a result. So mm-hmm. another grid is that plus minus. And, and just pay attention. Uh, so my the gist of it, Craig, is is self-awareness and how ask the questions in the diary and pay attention to what you're adding, what you're subtracting. And as that adds up, you start to figure out this system. There's a whole new vision. You start to you start to um, arrive at in how you're voting with your time. You start to have the right questions of yourself. You have the right questions of your coach. What your coach says starts to make sense because now you've been tracking patterns, not just your coach. You're doing it too. Mm-hmm. And then your arrange, your relationship starts to change. Your hints to the team. You know, you find you're escalating to a captain because now you see a bigger picture. And it, it all starts with you. So this athlete, the ones listening now, they, it starts with them. Personal responsibility for them to become aware of what they're doing and how they're voting. That's great. Richard, yeah, thank you so much for sharing this because we our our podcast is, is all about um, sports, teach you life skills. Uh, we always talk the medals are not important, of course, at the Olympic level they are important, but these kind of tips and tricks they they help the kids to become high performance in high performance in their life in all in everything they want to do. So I want to thank you so much for sharing this today with us. For any students, uh, student athletes or coaches or athletic directors or any other viewers watching our podcast, where can they find more about what you're doing, uh, your your company? And, and yeah, your company? So, so there's a, a website and that's uh, simplify2number2perform.com. Uh, Simplify2perform. And that has the performance posts. Uh, there's a couple of download papers, one on how to think inside the box, very similar to what we've talked about. So that will give them some, some hints and tips. And then the other is the comparison of medalists and non-medalists and behaviors, which are principles of success. And then there's a webinar that I run every month. Uh, that's how we connected, Jeff. Yeah. And yeah. so that runs, and if anybody, that's free. So anybody can register and, uh, and, and have a listen. Well, that's Thank you, awesome. Jeff. I, uh, 
a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, the goal is to to help our student athletes, but, uh, you know, even personally, just in the day to day, I think a lot of this stuff will help me. So, uh, no, it's been great, Richard. I definitely appreciate the time you've given us and a lot of the insights as well. Oh, it's a pleasure, you guys. Pleasure. I, I love the topic, you know, uh, athletics for life. And, uh, and it's true. And that's what I say about the bigger game. We're really in a bigger game in sport. It isn't just a medal. There's something much bigger. And, um, yeah, and in May, I have a book coming out. And uh, the High Performance Playbook, which is the system behind exceptional performance. So so that goes into quite a few of the things in more detail, which uh, viewers may be interested in. Amazing. Thank you so much, Richard. That's okay. awesome. Okay. Pleasure, Jeff. Pleasure, Craig. Yeah, thanks. thanks a lot, Richard. Thank Craig, you so Craig. much. Great work. Yeah, and all the best Mongolia at the games. Yeah. <laughs> fingers Thank crossed. You. All right. Yeah, fingers crossed. All the best. <laughs> See you. Thank Richard. you so much, Richard. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. So we just sat down with uh, Dr. Richard Young. Uh, great, great interview. Um, he's got a ton of experience working with high-level athletes and, and trying to figure out what makes them tick. And what was interesting for me is just – he kept coming back to systems, you know, and a couple other podcasts or interviews we've done um, and people have mentioned how, how important it is to get systems in place and, you know, the way that we do things. And, um, and, you know, with Richard, it just how important those systems are. Uh, and he mentioned too, that the systems aren't just the processes, but they're the people you have around you. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's your coaches, it's uh, your nutritionist, it's, uh, you know, even your family and your your teammates and everybody around you that kind of puts into how do you do the things you do that make you successful. Yeah. Um, and so just, you know, having those systems in place that can allow you to then excel at whatever it is you're doing. Um, so it's just kind of interesting that that keeps popping up, you know, in, in multiple interviews that we've done. Yeah, it's inter- inter- interesting one. System, it comes back every every podcast almost. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I'm I'm very honored uh, and humbled that we have him on the podcast today. Uh, I just contacted him. I saw a webinar, have, had an extra chat, and then he's here on the podcast. Uh, yeah, very. Thank you so much, Richard, for being here today and sharing your experiences. The takeaway for me was to really simplify things. Um, every morning. Take 50 minutes just to organize your day. And then, you know, you have more time during the day to do things with intention. Um, Start the day well. That's something for me to take away. Doing it simple. Make life simple for yourself. And you got so much more time to get into that flow state that you're Mm -hmm. just going through the day with doing things with intention. And then you become a more high performer. Uh, So, yeah, it's great stuff from Richard, especially the tips for our athletes. I, uh, I really enjoyed them. Yeah, I think uh, just keeping keeping a simple diary like that, what's going well, what's not going well, can really help people just uh, start to reflect, right? You start to pick up the bread trail trim, like you mentioned. Um, just, um, you know, oh, these are the things that I have been struggling with for a while. That's probably why, you know, I'm, I'm not performing the way I wanted to perform. I haven't been eating well. I haven't been sleeping well, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, and like you said, it it just kind of, gives you a way to then move forward with intention. So instead of things just happening to you and you just, uh, you know, I think we see a lot of kids go through that, right? Where they just, 
they go to class and they go to class and they just do, 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 do. And it's all these things that they're just doing. They're not really, there's not really intention behind what they're doing. They're just going through life, right? It's just something that's happening to them where if they could then stop and reflect on the things that are happening and then understand the why are these things happening, yeah. uh, then that can really help a lot of our, our student athletes, you know, in the classroom, on the basketball court, just be yeah. more successful in general. Find those people who can mentor you, who know more than you, who, who have that experience. Uh, be real with yourself. You know, what can I improve on? Be real. And that's that's very hard in these days, just to be honest with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Just to say sometimes, I'm not good at this, so I have to work harder. Believe that whole, that whole equation, belief plus habits plus action is a high performer. So you have to put the effort in. You have to find the system, the habits, and you have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And those three together will bring you to, a ne- to, to, to the next level. Um, yeah, so if you want to know more about Richard, he shared his information. Uh, we will add everything in our description, the websites, uh, where to find him. Follow a, follow a webinar. It's very interesting what he has to say. Um, and we try to invite him for future events here in our own division. So uh, thank you so much, Richard, for being on our podcast today. Yeah, the website was, I got it right in front of me, uh, Simplify to Perform, and the two was the number two. So simplifytoperform.com. So yeah, definitely check that out. Um, And yeah, thanks again, Richard. Much appreciated for your time and your insights. Yeah, that's our podcast for today. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care. See ya.